1: That shit house, if you think we will be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it, we are
0: two guys, one guy. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition. I'm Charlie Clawson and this is my club where I sit down with some prominent supporters to talk to them about the clubs they love and sometimes hate. And my guest this week, well, he is Australian comedy royalty but curiously has never been seen in the same room with Strawny. Pete Hellier, welcome to the show. (laughs)
1: G'day, Charlie. Um, I will say this. I will say this about, you know, you said uh, teams that you love and sometimes hate. I'm not sure I've ever hate the Pies. I yeah, can never right. qu- I can never quite bring myself to hate them.
0: Even after, like, you're not one of those guys after a loss is like, I'm going to burn my membership. Like after no. the tw- so even after the 2021 season, you weren't like, that's it, this club's a, no, a basket it, case. I mean, 2020,
1: um, 2021 was frustrating um, for yeah, lots of reasons. Um, but they've given me so much joy as much as, yes, they are a club that dishes out heartbreak. Um, you know, they've given me enough joy over the years. I want some more joy. I'm not saying I'm (laughs) satisfied at all. Um, but, um, it's not just what I learned in 2018 when we lost that grand final in, in pretty heartbreaking fashion. And it was, I, I still remember my brother who's four years older and even possibly an even bigger pie supporter than I am. Like he'll go down to training you know, right.
0: um he's one of those guys. Does he write training reports? Does he post them on the, the Colin Forum? He
1: doesn't do that, but he okay. he sends us an update. You know right. I just remember him saying after that loss, uh you just get the I remember the, the pain in these voices. It's like, why do we keep losing these things? <laughs> and and but what I learned was, and that was 90 seconds away from being one of the greatest days of my life. I was with uh my sons. Uh, my dad, my sister, my brother, my nephew, like we all go to the footy together each week, which is why I just love the experience of following the pies and going to the footy. Um, but it made me think, despite the fact that we lost that, that week was great leading up to the grand final. The morning was great. We had my mum's 70th the night before. So it's a bit of a different kind of, you know, lead in and we all had breakfast, you know, together. We went to the MCG. It was a beautiful sunny day. We had a couple of beers and that was great. And, and and what I learned was it can't all just be about the final Saturday in September. It just, it just can't be, you know, because it's too, it's too painful if it is. It is the most important Saturday in September, but it's not. it can't all be about that.
0: If it was all about that, there would be no supporters for the St. Yeah, Football exactly Club. Right. <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to here?
1: No. <laughs> I know, and I, I know the irony of talking about Collingwood and painful memories, considering. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: like that meme, you know, that of Mel Gibson uh, chatting to Jim Cazaville, where he's like, you know, the blood eaters, Jesus. And there's, there's that meme of like some guy talking <laughs> about the suffering he's had to go on through while Jesus is patiently listening. <laughs> That's what it feels like as a saint supporter. It's like, oh, God, we've only, I remember talking to Michael Chamberlain after, who's a Hawk supporter, yep. after we'd lost 2010. So the second grand final in a row, and saying to him, like, you're so lucky being a Hawk supporter. Like, you know, you've seen like six flags in your lifetime. And Michael's like, eight. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> That's not fair. Hawthorne supporters fair!
1: have a particular kind of smugness about them, let's be honest. And it's funny because they, they're, listen, they're a great club. But, you know, are they a fun club? I don't know. I'm not sure if they are. I mean, I've loved some of their plays. In fact, in fact, if I wasn't a Collingwood supporter, I probably would be a Hawthorne supporter because my granddad uh, was Hawthorne and he yeah. he took me to some games early on. Uh, but the Collingwood, the Collingwood scent was too strong. I couldn't resist. Yeah,
0: well, talking about like clubs that are fun to watch. I can't remember in my football viewing life a Collingwood team that was as popular and compelling as the team of twenty twenty two. Like the storyline, obviously, is amazing. You know, finishing bottom four, pretty much everyone writing you off, and then. Just the way you stacked up these wins and the fashion in which you did it, like, most neutral footy fans were just in shock about, I think I like Collingwood. Like, it was a really hard thing to grapple with.
1: Oh, but as it, someone, it, was hard, it was hard for us to grapple with. You know, right. like, like, people coming up to us, we, we, we're so, it's part of our identity that yes. people hate us and we're comfortable with that. You know, it's if You're not comfortable with it, you're not going to have a fun time being a Collingwood supporter. You need to, and it can get annoying sometimes because you're trying to have a footy discussion with somebody and they're like, Oh, because you're a Collingwood supporter. It's like, Well, that doesn't just mm-hmm. talk to me about football and, and leave all the you know the theatrics <laughs> to one side. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because I get, I get quite
1: passionate when I talk about football, as you you're about, you probably already discovered. Um, but I, um it was really weird. It was people coming up to us saying exactly that thing. Not only people from other clubs, people who didn't really follow football yeah. were coming up to me saying, Um, I'm loving what Collingwood are doing. I'm addicted to watching them and it, it was it was kind of um bizarre, but it was such a fun my most fun footy year. I, I actually had the opportunity to chat with the Craig McCray during a week and I was able to say this to him and and, and we we drove up to my sister and I drove up to Sydney uh, because flights were a billion dollars each, um, <laughs> uh, because they they saw an opportunity in the market in Qantas. and um,
0: yeah, well, I'm so glad they got that huge COVID payout.: <laughs> so great <laughs> yeah, only, yeah. only laid off two thousand staff. That's it.
1: that's it. So we drove, I drove up with my sister. My brother was in Bali because he booked the trip to Bali after we had two losses in round nine and ten and then <laughs> and then went on the win the next 11. Um, uh, so my sister and I drove up. And my wife said to me, but what if they lose? It's obviously the preliminary final. And I said, well, they might. There's every every chance they're going to lose. But this is the most fun football year Mm -hmm. I've had. I love this team. If they lose, I'll stand up, I'll clap them off and thank them for the year. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of exactly what happened. Like, it was an incredible game. We were down by, I think, six goals at one stage and, and, and came back and, you know, uh, had a few minutes to win it and we weren't, weren't able to do so. But, but to be at the ground and, and to stand up and clap them off and the, and the, the players, to their credit, did a lap of honour, you know, seeing the supporters who had come out and the Collingwood chant was over, overpowering the Sydney theme song that was coming through the speakers. It was actually, yeah. it was weirdly a magical kind of moment, even though it was, it was a loss, a pretty heartbreaking loss.
0: How could you not? like said as anything other than that because if you think of where the perceptions were or the expectations were of the Collingwood football club at the start of the year and then you one kick short of the grand final and who knows like what would have happened like i think Geelong they already beat you early, like a couple rounds. was it in the finals or yeah, at the least later final, in the year? We,
1: we they beat us
0: you we pushed had,
1: them yeah we we had two good games against we we lost by i think a couple of goals uh, in round two or three, we were up actually by about six goals at on one stage, and we ran out of legs. Um, and they came back and kicked on like, a ten in the last quarter or something. And, and and then in the qualifying final, which I just heard that Joel Selwood and Zach Tui said it was the toughest game of football they've ever played in. Paddy Dangerfield said he's never experienced pressure like it. So it's a bit bittersweet hearing that. It's like
0: yeah,
1: oh, damn, knows, it's so close. Yeah.
0: it does. It does. Ma- it makes me think of like in two thousand and four when. Brisbane had the staggers, and in the prelim, it was St Kilda taking on Port, and Port won by kick. But you just sort of felt like whatever team got across the line was going to take on a weakened kind of Brisbane. Maybe not the same case with Geelong, because they sort of had been primed perfectly. But it was amazing to sort of watch that prelim, knowing that, like, what an advantage a team has if they fall behind that you can't count them out. Like psychologically what that does to your opposition, oh, they're five goals down, we better watch our back because every possession, every time they chip away, they get a goal back, it starts like eating away at your psyche. Yeah. It's like they're coming, they're coming.
1: You, 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 can, you can feel it. In, in, in the same way, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Boston Celtics fan and, and, and right now we've lost the last three games as, as we're recording this, we, we have lost... You know, we've given up double-digit leads. And it's an interesting time, you know, where we have been the best team in the NBA for most of the year, but we're just staggering a little bit, which is okay. It's an 82-game season basketball, mm. so it's a long season. You're going to have some moments. But it's just this weird time where you're kind of going, is this becoming part of our DNA, part of our psychology that, you know, we're never quite comfortable with big leads and our opposition know that we can give them up? And that's what Collingwood was like, but the opposite. It was like the opposition knew that that they will come. They will yeah. come. And the, the fact that it went down almost in every game, like the Geelong <laughs> it's game I think was a bit the opposite. I think we were kind of in control for most of it. But the, yeah. the Carlton game was, I mean, what a huh? year. I mean, the close <laughs> finishes. Were, but two of our arch rivals, Carlton yeah. and Essendon,
0: yeah.
1: the two greatest finishers, to have 40 seconds on the clock from, from full back with Pendles, Getting at yeah. the Darcy Moore, at the Bianco, Jamie Elliott, who has two blokes on him, neither of them, you know, it's like he had girl, girl germs or something. I don't know, like, you know, like that, you know, he, getting, yeah. he, he's like they're in a schoolyard and they, they did not touch him. Takes the mark after the soaring, slots it on the from the boundary line from, you know, 50 out. It was incredible. And if that wasn't good enough, we get to the final game of the year <laughs> where our biggest rival, our arch rival, all they need to do is win to make the eight <laughs> and we do need to win to make the four so it's, it's, it's not just about you know, yeah. piling on the pain for them. But for them, they had been in the top eight all year <laughs> up until like the last 90 seconds when yeah. the rising star Nick Dekos in midair in the back pocket this is out of handball, the Braden Maynard, who spends, he sends a bullet, to Scott in the Scott the centre out the Jamie Elliott. Good shepherd boat from Jack Innovan. And Jamie Elliott, again, Mr. Clutch slots it, and it was just glorious. Um, Amazing, and I must say, at the at, at the time, and even throughout that week, I got a lot of Maitiu Carlton supporters who are genuine supporters, love their club. I don't necessarily love seeing them go through pain. So, in the moment,
0: oh, I do, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I like my WhatsApp chat, my footy WhatsApp chat is predominantly Carlton supporters, and that game I didn't see live, but I was just watching the post and like. What's going on here? And so I watched that game knowing the result. And it starts off, Collingwood come out in the first half, it's all about the pies. Then that third quarter, it's a blues blitz. And I remember thinking, and I knew that can't lose. I'm like, how do they possibly lose from this position? You know? And then you sort of see that last quarter unfold. And, yeah, sure, like Collingwood, the heroics are amazing, but it was equally about how bad the blues were. Yeah. (laughs) It was just it well, was it a, was phenomenal.
1: A card mate said to me, "Oh, we should have won that game." And you could argue that they should have handled that last quarter better. They they made some horrendous mistakes. Absolutely. Well,
0: considering that they'd had a carbon copy the week before against Melbourne, Melbourne yeah, like that they couldn't protect the lead against Melbourne. Then they get a chance to sort of show what they've learnt in the next week, and they can't do it. It's amazing.
1: Even silly mistakes like Charlie Curno taking a mark thirty out and not going back. And yeah. taking the time, like he, he swings <laughs> around and he, and plays he hooks, on. he plays on, and some players are more comfortable doing that, and that's fine. But what you're doing is you're giving, you're not giving your teammates that 30 seconds to get in position to actually just you know have 30 seconds to get air back into their lungs. It's just, it just, if it it would drive me crazy. It drives me crazy when I see college, you know players do it. It's like no, just, it's not about even. The playing on and hooking around. Some players are more comfortable and are better at doing that. It's actually not giving your teammates a chance to position up and and you know uh, rest for a bit. But at the time, I wasn't like you know I wasn't like fuck you, Carlton. I was just like yes, the pies have won. Because people often ask me who you, which teams do you hate. I said I don't I don't hate any of them. I just love Collingwood. The rest of them can like the rest of them can get fucked. I don't care. I just want to win You're every right. week. You know. Um, but with that said. Winning on Anzac Day is fun um, against the Bombers. Um, Carlton is fun uh, uh, to beat. But it wasn't until a few weeks after that I kind of, maybe I got to enjoy it a little bit, like a few Carlton fans, but, you know, saying, oh, we should have won it. And I was just like, well, you didn't, did you? I mean, <laughs> but to be in the eight for the entire year up until <laughs> the last 90 seconds of the year, I mean, an incredible but it's, it is great to have Collingwood-Carton games mean something again. Like there's been times when one of us has been higher on the ladder and the others haven't. And, and sometimes a team that has been lower has won that game. But, but it seems like for the next couple of years, certainly last year, uh, the games were, were, were big games. It was, it was fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Essendon ever get their act together and you get the big four Victorian clubs firing again, like, it's only good for football. Like, Richmond, the Richmond-Carlton round one clash, like, even though Carlton's, you know, uh, fortunes and, and form has fluctuated, just in terms of numbers, and I also love that the way it's programmed round one, because it is the best time of the year <laughs> where it's all just potential. And then, like, the round one results never matter anyway. Like, that's always the biggest upset round. Like, it's always where things get turned on their head. But to see Carlton supporters get their hopes up and then get crushed inevitably inevitably in round one always brings a smile to my face. I
1: feel like that round one game, the Thursday night game, is always the same game. It's Carlton up yes. by four goals at halftime and then realising <laughs> they're Carlton and Richmond, remembering they're Richmond and coming back and winning that game, like it's it's almost been a duplicate each year. So, I mean, a, couple, a year or two ago, you'd always be going, "Can we, These two teams don't deserve you know. The opening game, despite them being the, you know, are some pretty dull games in the end. But, but I think now it's it's they're primed to, you know, they feel worthy of having the opening game.
0: You mentioned before your best mates with Craig McRae, uh, they hang out all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just drop that one in,
0: yeah. Yeah, give me a bit of insight into the kind of guy he is because you know I know the the public persona and you know what you see in the press conferences. I you know it's hard not to admire him. You know the way he sort of came out after the players were lying flat on their backs after the loss to Geelong, and he's like, "We don't do that." Like you know, the, we we get up, you act like winners, we're not losers. And then also this kind of like to have Ross Lyon come back into the coaching fold and reference Craig McCrae as like an influence. I mean, that's a pretty high compliment for a, a first-year coach. What do you take from Craig McRae? What do you think is his kind of like strongest assets?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you can clearly tell that he has a teaching background. Like he actually studied teaching and he, um, it, it comes across, I think of your best teacher and it's it's kind of Craig McRae. He's say patient um, also, like he's really patient, and he's, you know, he probably raises his voice, be you know, behind closed doors and and all of that. But I think he, he just, he's really good at connecting. I, 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 I think, and and he doesn't, he doesn't in a rant and rave. He's just very methodical, and he really does. We, I mean, stuff we've heard before. I mean. In a way, he's not revolutionised the game or anything like that. He's just like a different presence. He's just like a different – there's a calmness to him that he just really believes in the process and that will kind of take care of itself. And he, he does have these things, you know, um that he – last year it was very much about the windscreen wipers, you know. Like sometimes you get – you know, you make a mistake, you know, you just get the windscreen wipers on, you put that mistake aside and you forget about it. You just move on, put the windscreen wipers on, you know. Hmm. Um and he said something to me today, you know, sorry, when, when uh, uh, it was last week, and we have this Collingwood kind of group that we meet. Um, we're called the Fungs. Um, and we're called the Fungs uh, because the first time we met, and it's basically ex-players and some, some media types. So there's, and you know, I'm about to drop some Collingwood royalty here, but... Um,
0: Mike, can we get some clunking sound effects after each Please please <laughs> brings out? Get it
1: ready. Get it ready. Uh, so there's, People you've kept Nick Maxwell, Daisy Thomas, Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, Darren Jolly, uh, Scotty Cummings and, and then there's uh, and i Ben Johnson. I've probably forgotten a couple as well. But and then there's uh, people like myself, uh, Merrick Watts, Tommy Little. Matt Preston, Samachalaro, Barry Cassidy, um, Mark Skafe. You're
0: giving me names to get in for the next season of My Club. This is this great. Is, <laughs> Can you pass on, this, s- pass on some of those This C-ters? is the next
1: series of SAS Celebrity uh, yeah. or, or SAS <laughs> Australia, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, and Maddie Delvedova came, you know, one when he was in town. It, it's kind of. It's a, it's a, it,
0: John Travolta, Rob John Travol- Lowe? Did they, Rob, did they make the cut?
1: No, 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 no. I think Rob Lowe's a St. Kilda fan. I remember crossing to Rob Lowe. He was in the Collingwood rooms, wasn't he? Yeah, that's yeah, right. We, yeah. We before the game was the weirdest moment. I'm, I'm
0: hosting. He was singing the song, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: we're like, because oh, we were after the game when that was happening, um, and I'm there, you know, I was kind of hosting, co-hosting, and the producer made said, we're crossing back to the Collingwood rooms, Rob Lowe's waiting, standing by.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Outsiders Rob Lowe, sex tape Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah it was the weirdest the weirdest little moment but um, but um, so the fungs Craig came up it was with the fungs because the first time we met it wasn't all those people and not all those people are always at the one you know some people can't make it and, and all that um, Steve Curry's another member um, and we had a private little area and at the Marquis of Lawn in Fitzroy and then we went upstairs to the rooftop and there was only two tables, and I both reserved them, the Fungs. And the waitress said, "Have these tables, but when the, the Fungs rock up, you, you, <laughs> need to, you need to leave." And they never rocked up. So we said, oh, "Hang on, we must be the Fungs." <laughs> so we're the Fungs. So and and we had a, a, our first kind of meeting for a while because you know uh, lockdown, and then and then we just didn't get a chance to meet up last year. So uh, Maxi organised. You know, as a surprise, uh, head coach Craig McRae to come along. Wow! And I just, you know, I just started asking him as much as I could about plays he's excited about. You know, what he how he saw last year, and 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 uh, and he was just like loves talking about. Like, unsurprisingly, like. he, he, maybe there might be some coaches who'd be like, you know, I'm just trying to have some time off. He's like, no, he's happy to talk about footy, you know, really happy. Um, Are you
0: getting – and do you get the feeling when he's talking to you the stuff he's saying is off the record or is, like, he'd be willing to say that to anyone who asked him?
1: Um, this is the thing I'm kind of in my mind thinking right now as I'm about to okay. tell you what he kind of uh, said <laughs> to me. But I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure this will come out because I think he's, he'll be using it as, as, as a bit of a, um, a motif for the year. And it's kind of really about um, – you know, you can take the escalator, or you can take the stairs. You know, and we, for, for us to achieve to get back to where we were last year, we need, we need to take the stairs. They've done some training based around, I think, stairs and and um really um yeah like actual yeah, stairs like, yeah like totally like, rocking it. You know, so this, they bring you one of those things
0: you get on the airplanes, like that travelator thing they bring out to get you off the airplane. <laughs> just
1: up and down, up and down. <laughs> I know they did. A big session at the MCG where they almost—they they almost, I think, climbed every stair, you know, uh, at the MCG as a team. Um, so I, I think I think that's I think that's brilliant. I think it's brilliant to have those things that are clear because there's so much. I'm not sure if you think about it, Charlie, but if you were playing footy now, there's so much that the players have to kind of about positioning, you know, when you've got the ball, when you haven't got the ball, there's so much, I think, to think about and it suits some players and it doesn't suit others. So to have these really clear things that they can kind of, you know, go back to, just even to, you know, motivate themselves, um, I think is, I don't know, I, I, that would certainly work on me, I think. I've been taking the stairs ever since.
0: <laughs> sports psychology and, like, metaphor in, sports, in coaching and sports psychology always fascinates me. I always bring this up because it made me laugh so much. But that documentary, Making Their Mark, um, they went behind the scenes with GWS and it was Steve Cornelio's, um, uh, Cogs's first season as captain. And it was his yeah. first address. Did you see this? His first address to the yeah. playing group and he brings out that, trophy that the first part's made of like stone this middle part's made of glass and the last bit's made of like I don't know something else and he yep. gets he sort of gets trapped in his own kind of metaphor he's trying to explain what the three parts of the trophy mean and it's clearly he's gone off and done some kind of like you know uh, corporate leadership training and he's coming with this thing but you just sort of cut to the players just standing and some of them are getting <laughs> it and some of them are I don't get it what's this three-part trophy
1: that is so right. I remember thinking that because you hear about the ones that work because often they're the ones that come out when the team's succeeding or playing finals or you know in the, in the grand final, and you might hear about it in hindsight sometimes or or throughout the year, um, but you don't hear about the ones that just never took off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like because I think the Giants had a pretty disappointing year that year, so it was like, okay, that. You know, that didn't really
0: work, but yeah. Yeah. I, I often think too of that, like I mean, Adelaide are notorious for their pre season camps, obviously, but in the nineties, who was the player who had to walk across hot coals? <laughs> remember they did that? Yeah,
1: that was um wasn't was it Brett Burton?
0: I can't remember. Brett
1: Burton or or Jamison or, or-
0: but just the footage that came out of that, you know, and you can just sort of see <laughs> situations would arise and him getting halfway across the, across the hot coals and having to jump off because he had third-degree burns on the bottom of his feet.
1: I know. It's, it's, it's really – I wonder how many coaches don't have like, – I reckon it, most, most coaches surely have that one thing they've kind of – that they've got to be – it'd be amazing if one coach hasn't <laughs> – hasn't thought of it. And he's listening to this right now going, shit, I haven't got my metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I, need a, I need a metaphor. Well,
0: it's interesting, too. Like, I mean, you said Craig McRae, the, the teaching background. That is sort of really what it is coaching these days. Like, you hear a lot of um, ex players, you know, talk about how coaching has changed. And, you know, especially in the last 10 years, the idea that you, you can't just be this drill sergeant, you know, it's about understanding your list and understanding what messaging gets through to some players. You know, some players just see ball, get ball, like you say, like just give me a simple game plan. But other players need a bit more of um, intellectual stimulation. You know, some players need to, you've got to appeal to something else. And that is the great art of coaching. And then, like you say, if you've got a background in teaching, it's like... Controlling a room full of 30 kids. Like some kids have like attention issues, you know, other kids are the class clown. It's like, well, you've got to manage all these personalities, but these are personalities in the bodies of like Greek gods.
1: Yeah. I, I remember going down to the, you know, the, at the time it was the Lexus Centre, um, basically Collingwood's, you know, headquarters uh, to film Strawny, you know, and we were doing that for, you know, quite a few years. And sometimes you'd walk in and, you, you know, like somebody would like yell out, Strony, and you look around, and nobody will take credit for yelling it out like they would almost like do it deliberately to kind of, cover. And it's just like, oh, these these kids—it's like primary school yeah. here all of a sudden, you know. And there's a mix of kids who are like there are kids who, you know, are immature and 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 you know a bit childish, and they're and they're leaders, and then there's people kind of caught in between, maybe going through their own evolution, and mm. they can kind of, they are kind of fascinating places, yeah, you know, footy clubs, and and well, yeah,
0: especially you know, when you meet a footballer who kind of. Defies your expectations of what a footballer is. Like Nat Fife is like a clear example of that, like, brilliant footballer. But I just find him such a fascinating enigma outside of football. Like, you know, he's getting his pilot's license and his multiple like property portfolios <laughs> and all these things that he does outside of football. Like, you know, I, I talked to a, a Saints uh, player at the Best and Ferris last, last year when I am would and after talking to him for about 20 minutes, I'm like, you don't strike me. He was so like articulate and really thoughtful and considered. And he was very honest when he said that, yeah, I don't really see myself as a footballer. I do this pretty well and it's like gainful employment. So I'm following this path for a certain amount of time. But I think, you know, that's a great thing about footy clubs and really good footy clubs is all these different kinds of personalities that come in. Like I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that all, all footballers are robots now, and people get you know so annoyed with that kind of media training that they get. I think you've got to have both. <laughs> like, I think it's good that players have media training now, so we're not getting the same kind of super dull interviews. But I still think there is plenty of personalities, and Collingwood is a club with heaps of personality. It seems.
1: Well, it's it's, it's so funny with I mean, it, it, with the the Fungs our group, you got someone like Nick Maxwell, who's Premiership captain. I wouldn't say he's, he's not. I want to say straight laced in the in the traditional term, but I guess for a footballer, it kind of reasonably reasonably straight laced, you know. But he's now in the corporate world. Um, he, he was in the footy world for a while with GWS, and then back at Collingwood, and now he's um, in the corporate world. He's got his, uh, you know, his uh, investment in this this office kind of sharing building. I've been there; it's, it's it's amazing, and you know, it looks like it's very exciting for him. But he's in that group, and he's got so he's got very kind of he's going off to a very different kind of post football kind of uh, trajectory mm. where and then you got you know Swanee and and, and Daisy Thomas who are they they're probably cash gigs you know and and um, and, and and working for sports bet and, and doing you know sports radio shows and they've got that kind of more traditional you know post footy career that when I say traditional not many people get to do it for, from a percentage point of view um, but because they were kind of superstars and um. That they kind of you know get a crack at it, um, but they both but they they're great mates. You know they they get along and 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 it's probably if they didn't play footy together they probably wouldn't be mates. So I, mm. I I assume but you talk about Collingwood and, and yeah I mean Jack Ginnivan was you know a, a revelation and, and yeah I mean some some people hated him. I thought the treatment of him was. Unbelievable! There was a <laughs> there was a tackle in the second Essendon game where this had been going on for like weeks, where his head was literally ripped off. Ripped off. Well, obviously, I used literally, you know, not literally there, yeah. but almost ripped off and then dragged for a, a, you know, a, you know, um, and he still didn't get the free kick, and it was, it was amazing. But I had an uncle of mine, actually an uncle of my wife's, um, pass away last year. Um, and on his death, literally on his deathbed, I haven't, I haven't had too many deathbed conversations, um, thankfully. Um, but on his deathbed, he spoke a little bit about footy and he spoke about his love of Jack Ginevan. <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a died in the wall blue supporter, but he's just saying how much he loved Jack Ginevan and how good he is for the game. And I think, you know, I think, um, I think some of the media kind of misunderstood, you know, maybe uh, that early on. I think some kind of realised, oh, hang on. He's actually good for the game.
0: Um, Well, Kane Corns is the most obvious example. Kane Corns went early and really, like, look. Let's be honest. Kane Corns is a is a professional contrarian. Like he he can't believe half the stuff he says. But I think he thought this was an easy hit on a kind of you know second year third year player, and he was so proven wrong. Like it was talk about like you know uh, uh, getting your comeuppance, and then. I was like, oh, this is interesting watching Kane try and kind of change the narrative and I'm going to dye my hair and now I love yeah. Jack Ginevan. It's like, oh, I don't know, Kane. I mean, you went pretty hard in that first round.
1: And I reckon he went hard for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, he went hard uh, for he, for Jack Ginovan, um having basically the, uh,
0: the, 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 GoPro, the camera, the, the
1: iPhone, whatever yeah. they're filming on. So basically most clubs will give a, you know. All um, clubs. Yeah, all clubs give an a, a iPhone or a camera yeah. to a player and they shoot you know, what would yeah, yeah, this is a great experience you know, it's content. And the clubs are getting so good with their content. Yeah. It's 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 phenomenal. So Jack was the one filming that and he he had a go at him for that. It's like, well, hang on. Do you not realise that all clubs are doing it?
0: Um He's also you know, so, a kid. Like, name me one sort of 19, 20-year-old who isn't on social media, who doesn't have a TikTok account, who isn't making videos like this. I mean, yeah. it's just bizarre. It's the same, you know, that fantastic Batuta, Batuta Advocate headline of, like, Cain Corns. You know, uh, I was never offered drugs when no I played. Cain Corns realised no one liked him even back then. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: very... That's very funny. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I like Cain I like Corns. I, 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 I'm... I like Hank because I don't always agree with him, obviously, and I thought he got it wrong massively on that one. But I I, I don't know. I generally like footy discussion. I really like Robbo. I don't always agree with Robbo. but I think he's good for footy. Um, well, you noticed
0: Robbo, because we we often like like to make fun of Robbo on our show. But yeah. then when he was out for that six months when he was ill, like you really noticed 360 wasn't the same. Like you, you realise that there's only one Robbo. I mean, Jason Dunstall, no offence, Chief, but Jason Dunstall doesn't really <laughs> like cut the mustard when it comes to that kind of personality. And like I, I like Kane too. Like I, I think that when you sort of realise how performative it is and you accept yeah. that, like I do think it's funny that people get so outraged and they retweet stuff Kane Corn says. It's like he's going to do that. That's his job. He's the Red Simons of the uh, Aussie footy media. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that, and it, does, it just doesn't matter. Like what am I, yeah, you almost alluded to it with, with round one results. Like like the predictions and, and, and the write-offs that go on after three or four rounds and so-and-so can't make the finals. Yeah. Year after year we see at least one club make a charge that have had a slow start to the year, and 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 they end up making it. I mean, Collingwood, you know, like I said nobody rated them pre-season. Certainly after you know five rounds, we probably the better you know than people thought we had. And the Herald Sun had us at zero and six, you know, and we're playing Adelaide <laughs> at home in this in round two. It was it was just it was uh, I was way more bullish. I didn't expect necessarily the year we had, but I was way more bullish on the pies. I'm a pretty optimistic supporter, but but I just thought the year before was our outlier year. I thought we had a, still a very good. About 2018 grand final team, our, our list was better. I think the only player he would really call a star was Trelaw. Um, and the rest were like really good workhorses like Chris Mayne and Levi Greenwood. Um, yeah, Chase Varko's special. Um, uh, you yeah, know, Jared Ruffhead. Um, but they were all of a sudden replaced with your Isaac Quainors, your, your Dacos brothers.
0: You know, oh, um, Dacos is my god. Like, how yeah. lucky. I mean, you'd be lucky to have one. You got two. <laughs> it's yeah. just so great to see. Like, I mean, that's the other thing that I think was so lovable about the Pies last year was that injection of youth with Ginevan and Dacos. But, like, Nick Dacos, my God. Like, he's just one of the. he's like a Judd or one of those players that you just can't help but admire. Like, the talent is so – effusive and undeniable that it's like I'll watch him play any game. Like he, he will get people through the turnstiles.
1: I saw, I, I saw Judd play his first game against Collingwood at the MCG. Like his first game ever and he was almost best on ground, you know. Um, and it's just like, wow, I've seen, I've seen that, you know, he's a superstar. And I don't think I've seen a better first year, you know, uh, until Dacos' last year, it was just the composure. Yeah, you know. Um,
0: and you remember you in know. round one last year too, because the Saints played the Pies. They tried to rough him up, like that was clearly the directive that they went in and they tried to physically intimidate him, and it didn't do anything. <laughs> like he ended up having yeah. like twenty touches or something in his first game, and it's like, oh, like w- w- that was a bad, a t- a bad tactic.
1: Yeah. And, and and I know I know the colleague of coaching staff are like, you know, if if, if we need if we need uh, if we're a bit behind it, like, okay, what do we, how how do we use Nick? Like it's almost their first question they're asking now, like, you know, how can how can we get Nick yeah. to get us going and and, and um it's you know, it, it's it's pretty special. It's pretty special, you know. I mean anything can happen and players can fall out with clubs, but um you
0: know, oh, like, um, it would be unbelievable to think of a day cost leaving Collingwood. But then again, we had a Danaher leave the Bombers. so Who would have thought? Yeah,
1: well, exactly, and you know, I'm um, glad Darcy Moore resigned because you know uh, I was hoping he wouldn't go down his father's <laughs> route and, and leave and win a brownlow at another club. But um. But, uh, yeah, exciting times.
0: Uh, well, Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, before we let you go, though, we do our prediction and, and traditional two guys, one cup fashion. We're not going to make you uh, pick a specific ladder position, but we break the ladder into three parts, top six, middle six, bottom six. I feel like I know where you're going to place the pies.
1: <laughs> oh, I think a lot of people are kind of expecting Collingwood to fall away because... The thing I keep hearing is, well, they can't keep winning those close games. But I think we've improved their list. And what we're hoping for is that we just don't play in those that many close games. We actually win those games by three or four goals. Um, I know we have a very tough start to the year, so I think we'll know a little bit after about six rounds. But I'll go top six. I'll go top six. I think that's Um,
0: a pretty safe bet. Do you want to go higher? Do you want to go more specific than that or you don't want to tempt fate? No.
1: No, I'll go top six. (laughs) I'll go top six. Uh, Listen, anything can happen. Tom Mitchell, I think, is a very good pickup. And uh, I think Damick's Day, I look forward to Damick's Day hopefully proving a few critics wrong because it was, I think even Collingwood fans were a bit confused as to. Um, why we were so um, all in on on Dan McStay but I hang on
0: so let's 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 call him by his full name Dan has never kicked more than 30 goals in a season McStay (laughs) that was all I kept reading I had no idea what his year goal average was but the media just trotted out this stat in every single article about him never kicked more than 30 goals in a year
1: I've never seen a player linked to a club kind of so early in a year so I kind of I think that's what kind of counted against him in a way, because I think Collingwood fans were now watching Brisbane to look at Dan McStay and then kinda of set so a bit more commentary about him. But but what I'll say about the Collingwood administration at the moment, you know, with Graham Wright and and, and now Craig Kelly and and, and obviously Craig McRae and the coaching stuff he's got around him with Lepich and, and and Craig Bolton is is to be honest, I just trust I just trust them. And and if they see something Dan McStade that maybe he's been used differently in Brisbane the, the way we would use him then. And the early signs are, that that might be the case, you know, we've got a very different forward line than Brisbane. So um, I'm hoping uh, he can prove a few critics wrong. And But, yeah, it was kind of ironic that uh, McStade, uh, McGoad and, and McGoey <laughs> just stayed. <laughs>
0: Well, that's as good a point as any to finish on. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show and good luck to the Pies in 2023. We have gone long, but I think it's been good.
1: <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm I, I'm glad. Sorry. I, I, when I do talk about footy, I, I get my kind of like, it's like I'm in the pub. We are two guys, one...